Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. In the world you are, it's V the Gorilla Connors. We have with us the man of the hour, the one and only Matthew Errett. The man who understands the great game better than anyone else's because he's been doing it for so many years. He's got the T-shirt, folks. He's been there, done that, and he's got the T-shirt. And well, we have CJ joining us as well. How do I get CJ in here? Uh, yeah, I miss CJ. Where's there, CJ? There he is. There Hello. Hello, CJ. I actually showered for you today, Matthew. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wearing my special gorilla underwear because I knew Matthew was on today. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, nice. man, I, I haven't worn nice. pants in two years. There you go. He's been on <laughs> Matt is completely bottomless. <laughs> oh, folks, you can find Matthew Errett over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the Rising Tide Foundation.net, where you need to get there. Once you get to the Rising Tide Foundation.net, you need to get his two books, Pivotal, Pivotal Bombshells. On all things geopolitical, geostrategic, geoeconomic, make sure you go check that out. And also, with that being said, gentlemen, what's going on, Matt? Where do we begin, bro? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's. I'm still recovering. The Lord has thrown enough enough uh, crap at us to to talk for a while. Um, I think that, um, and I shouldn't say the Good Lord. I don't want to blame him for all of all of the screw ups. But uh, he's given us, he's granted us with the free will to to be foolish. The and, good Lord's uh, already sacrificed enough, Matthew. Huh? <laughs> the good Lord's already sacrificed enough. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but enough people are, are certainly disobeying uh, his law uh, to the point that we have a lot of real self-destructive folly and also some very interesting uh, creative flanking that I know you guys have been touching on this morning. I, I just listened. I was telling V to a lot of your discussion uh, that you had just had in today's show. Um, obviously we can talk about Russia and we should, we should talk about what's going on in Canada. We should. And I think yeah, weaving them together because there's certain common themes, um, yeah. that we've seen deployed, um, from the standpoint of the utilization of psyops, false flags, the construction of framing of, you know, false narratives mm -hmm. to justify, uh, completely unjustifiable dictatorial tyrannical behavior from a sociopathic oligarchic technocratic elite that really doesn't we oui, monsieur we oui. that's yeah yeah good old accordion yeah <laughs> this this technocratic elite obviously has nothing but disdain for humanity and um and that includes both the people living here in north america in the transatlantic as a whole which is being set up to uh or we are being expected to be good little cattle walking into the slaughterhouse um, and also sovereign nation states, especially those outside of the cage in Eurasia, uh, Russia being a big target, China being a big target, but really any country which has a desire not to be sacrificed on this altar of Gaia um, through this whole great, great reset, which is just another way of saying depopulation, return back to feudalism, but with certain technological sort of advantages that the feudal lords didn't have. But really, that's the Great Reset. You know, when they're talking about the overhaul of energy policy, energy science, the cutting off of Nord Stream 2. And I, I know you guys talked about that a lot this morning. 
I mean, this is suicide. They want Europe to commit suicide as states and as individuals, such that only a small little coterie of accepted uh, golden collar uh, members of the Davos crowd and their their hanger honor retainer. The golden shower Davos crowd. Yeah, the golden shower crowd. <laughs> the golden shower Davos crowd. You know that's what they do. I'm sure. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's why Clash wears his black pajamas. That's the real golden generation right there. Yeah. The golden generation. That's them. That's them. That's <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like these people really see themselves as something really like top shit, alpha, above above human beings. Um, they're so mediocre; it's not even funny. Yeah, the reality they're they don't so want to put a mirror up to their face because if they did, I mean, they would just melt. I mean, them. just look at any one of their policies, right? You ask yourself, how do they? Okay, we will have all new green energy. Okay, then how do you transition to that? They cannot explain it to you we're going to take the hill okay how are you going to take the hill cricket nothing yeah. it's just these broad you know brushed axioms that's all they are man it's crazy and the circle jerks around them they're like oh oh that's wonderful yes yes we all have nothing and be happy green new deal uh we're gonna get out of carbon uh you know fossil fuels oh yes how yeah, exactly. My, my wife is doing a little study right now that uh, will be published on the Saker tomorrow, uh, just going through the uh, energy return on investment. Um, oh, my God. And I mean, when you actually look at the breakdown of these individual different sources of energy from windmills and and, uh, and solar panels, all the way up through coal, fossil fuels, natural gas, uh, hydrogen, and, and nuclear, um, <laughs> you could just see clearly on these graphs that... The energy return, when you look at it from the standpoint of energy return on investment, meaning simply it's a, it's a basic index of how much energy goes into both the creation and maintenance for the lifespan of ver various energy sources from a reactor uh, to a, a windmill. Um, and how much, how much energy do they give you back? They you don't even break even by far with windmills and solar panels, but yeah. at least they're very, re really, really expensive. Um, which is only covered by all sorts of layers of hidden subsidies. And they're also obviously completely ineffective and unreliable because they, when they say, you know, we're going to build this thing, you're only getting 24% capacity on average, sometimes a lot less for a lot of windmills and solar panels. Um, and on top of that, the wind doesn't blow. Sometimes you go down to like negative zero or you go down to less than 1% as the British had discovered when they put 25% of their energy uh, onto the uh, dependency on windmills. And then the wind just stopped blowing for two weeks down to like less than 1% effectiveness or, you know, was being produced by these windmills. And of course, huge scarcity. And meanwhile, the natural gas reserves of Europe are down to like what, 4% of what they should be. Yeah. They're on the verge. They've created artificial scarcity. And then you have people like Timmermans uh, from the EU uh, commission coming out saying, oh, the problem of the 500% increase of energy prices on the spot markets and all of this is just that we didn't do the Green New Deal enough or sooner. If we had done it five years earlier, then things would have been just peachy keen and we wouldn't have this spike of prices and we wouldn't be reliant upon like Russian natural gas or anything like that. And it's like, and this is all going to be my, my wife's uh, uh, research report, but she was just briefing on, briefing me on it, so it's all fresh in my mind. But yeah, it's like, yeah, not enough Green New Deal is what caused the energy spike. No, oh, yeah, Mate, oh, no. only a like, retarded moron, 
Only uh, a retarded PR agent would say something so stupid, Matthew. Yeah, it's like not enough bloodletting. Like, why am I dizzy? I've been bloodletting for the past, like, you know, six days. Like, why am I getting dizzier? It's like not enough bloodletting. You didn't start sooner. I, I should have severed an artery and none of this would have happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 Western logic these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it, these people are idiotic, man. Yeah. And now that Schultz is saying, I, I think you guys mentioned this, right, that they're going to freeze. They're going to feasibly cancel. the. Well, uh, no pun intended when you said freeze, right, Matthew? Huh? <laughs> no pun intended when you said they're going to freeze. <laughs> they're going to freeze. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. It's, it's, and I mean, the economy is the economy's obviously in the, in the shitter. They've, they've self-destructed for two years straight. On top of that, you have uh, – I mean, the entire build back better for the world, Green New Deal, Great Reset thing, which is all different ways of saying the same thing, which is like big slaughter kill um, on behalf of a technocratic elite. This involves like a complete overhaul of agricultural uh, investments in Europe and beyond where they want to try to make agriculture green to satisfy the uh, COP26 protocols of, of making sure that cows stop farting. Um, so apparently the way to do that is to just stop making meat um, and make it really, really financially impossible to raise cattle, do things like that, uh, that are all just very bad for the environment and instead just allow Monsanto instead to have free reign um, and produce and control all of the seeds and other things that so far the European farmers have been resisting for much longer than the the West here where we already succumbed a long time ago. Um, so they have all of these really insane programs which only will increase scarcity increase death increase i mean want and suffering and that's really the design it's not like these things we shouldn't be surprised like oh we we tried you know globalization we tried to make it work and now we have all of these bad side effects and it's like no that those bad side effects was the design they said these nice things to get you to drink the kool-aid but it was always poison and it's the same thing for the green new deal and this whole idea of like rewiring society's values the way uh, a lot of these sociopathic bankers uh, have been saying we should, like Mark Carney and other World Economic Forum trustees, where they're saying, you know, like what? Now that we're going, the, the neoliberal order has proven itself to not work. And so we, ne- we need to now restructure all of our values, including how we invest in, how in, in, in finance and everything else. Um, and so the idea should be that we, we need, a, a, you know, what is that, $130 trillion to be invested in green energies um, while, while contracting all investments from dirty, you know, companies that produce, um, pollution specifically when they say pollution, they mean carbon dioxide, of course. Um, they don't mean the mining companies that are extracting, destroying giant swaths of territory in Africa. They don't mind. They don't, they don't, they're not talking about that because they need that to happen to, you know, produce the rare earths for their solar panels and photovoltaic cells. So that's fine, of course. And the Amazon Keep on like extracting those rare earths for solar panels. Keep on doing that. But they mean carbon dioxide, the thing that that is like plant food that we all breathe out of as part of like life. That's what has to be illegal is the means to actually sustain life and incentivize financially all activity which reduces life. So if you want to invest in uh, something like, you know, that's going to industrialize a city or a state or a nation. And that's going to give them the ability through, let's say, building a nuclear power reactor, the, the means of standing on their own two feet, then you will you will have your credit seized up. You will not get insurance under the, the you know, this this type of green financial agenda. You won't get loans 
already many of the biggest Wall Street banks do not provide loans to companies that uh, produce too much carbon dioxide. Um, and uh, and you're basically going to be destroyed. And if you want to invest in things that are going to you know hurt people and contract the ability to support life, okay, fine. We're going to make make sure you can get as much money back and return on investment as possible. But uh, it's really a defiance of all physics and all morality. It's purely based upon a worshiping of monetary flows and the idea that less is better. So you know, too many people. You know, every, up until now, we thought that economy was all about sustaining better quality of life, having more productivity and making sure that investment is tied to that. That's been the animating character for the past, you know, generations. No more of that. That was the old, the old wisdom. The new wisdom is less activity, less human life. That's what's good. More stasis, keeping the environmental ecosystems in stasis and unaffected by human behavior. That's what we're going to put value on. So you're basically saying that death, which if you think about it, like compare living, you know, a living uh, dog and a dead dog, which one has is more defined by life and which one by stasis and which one by action and which one by death. So obviously they, they're, they're saying the human body, the system as a whole is more natural when it is dead, when it is rotting, putrid and dead and static. And when it is moving and growing and living and being creative, that is unnatural is the sleight of hand. Um, and this has always been the oligarchical ethic, right? Going back to those who were trying to manage the, the depopulation of Europe during the medieval ages. This goes back to the population control policies of, uh, of ancient, the ancient Roman empire that tried to keep everybody in a little shell, you know, where you had uh, actual edicts passed for many generations that if you were born into a shoe, like if your dad was a shoemaker, then your grandkids will be shoemakers. You're it's illegal for you to try to find something else outside of the assigned role that your family is a programmed to play in the system. Oh, that's wonderful. It's not only neo feudalism it's a neo caste system as well. Yeah. It's a combination of the worst of all possible worlds. <sighs> um, so, you know, you got that. Um, but then you got this problem where human beings don't just, you know, keel over and adapt to these types of unnatural conditions very easily. And so we've seen things like what had occurred with the Freedom Convoy. And I know that there are intelligence operations. I mean, people have written to me saying, like, don't you know there are all of these points of evidence of Anglo, uh, Anglo-American intelligence operatives that have been there uh, trying to, like, control the money? And I know that. I know that you have Obama, Obamaton characters like uh, Dagny Pawlak, who was like deployed to be a spokesperson for the convoy, even though no convoy uh, participant agreed to that. I know there's Dichter, Benjamin Dichter, who is a complete rotten stooge. I get it. I get it. I get it. But what happened, despite all of that, is that there was something highly organic and human that completely surprised those oligarchs trying to create a situation that would justify uh, an emergency measures act like we had seen that spread all across Canada in ways that nobody anticipated. And this is big. It's still going on, even though geographically, you know, they clamped down, they did the iron fist, they went for violence. I didn't think they were going to go for violence. I thought they were just going to do the financial terrorism to threaten to freeze people's bank accounts, which is what <clears throat> Freeland is and Mark Carney have, uh, have both led the, uh, the, the war charge on and people's mm. bank accounts are being frozen already. There's, there's a lot of them. Um, now they've just passed in the, the house of commons, a big moral failure, you know, for, uh, I think it was 185, four 
uh, passing the Emergency Measures Act, wow. uh, and I think only 150 against. Um, all of the NDP, all of the liberal members of parliament who had formally spoken up against the the Justin Trudeau line, courageously, I might, might say, they completely morally failed for whatever threats they were faced when somebody came to their office and said, you do this or else. I don't know what those are, but all people fell into their party lines. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, the head of the NDP, which was formerly the Fabian Society of Canada sure. um, in the 1930s. That's where the NDP came out of. Um, he's a World Economic Forum stooge, a, world, a young leader under Klaus Schwab. And uh, he just completely fell in line and made sure that his party, or at least those controlling his party, uh, made everybody fall in line as well and vote. Did uh, Jagmeet take out his uh, dagger that he carries with him all the time? Did he take that out yeah. and try to force them to, to go along with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's wild because the the amount of Sikhs, the Sikh population in Canada, who are are, are totally opposed to the uh, the vax mandates, are out of this world. Like, I mean, there's a huge amount of presence of Sikhs in all of the different uh, protests, convoys, marches that are oh, currently yeah. going on. So even though it, it was sort of cleaned out in Ottawa for the most part in the downtown sector, um, you're still seeing a giant manifestation of this thing taking on a different character with convoy arriving in Quebec City. Um, you have gigantic protests that have already been taking place in Toronto this weekend and that are planned throughout uh, Calgary all over the place. So it's taken on, again, a different character is more of a fluid movement. Um, you have in, in Washington, D.C., obviously, what's going to be uh, departing, I think, this week from uh, Southern California to Washington, D.C. And I mean, they're already putting up barricades and fences just in time for the uh, State of the Union by uh, President Brandon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they're completely freaked out by what's going to happen. I think there's obviously danger of, of all sorts of FBI run sort of co-intel type uh, intel operations that are attempting to do the sort of thing that they do, which is try to infuse radicals and, and people who are more violence prone into the process, which I think that what I've from what I've seen so far, there's a general awareness that this is a factor in the calculus. And I hope that those organizing this uh, process are are very on the ball and are capable of cutting out those who wish to be participants who have radical backgrounds and smell of of intelligence operations. Mm. Um, I hope that they they can do that, even if money is being offered to them and and you know numbers of people who might be impressive in number are being offered by certain groups. I, I hope that they keep those out. We'll see where that goes. But so far, it's a very good process, and a, and same thing for Europe. So we, but despite all of that, we do have uh, a completely unprecedented um, situation in Canada. It was expected, though unprecedented. Um, we know that the reasons for this, not that there were ever justified reasons for having the War Measures Act uh, deployed. It was already like a completely peaceful pro process from the get-go, um, not becoming of that. But they did it anyway. But despite having done it, they went and cleaned out the so-called blockades. So there's no more, that was the whole reason, was the blockades apparently was this so giant dangerous process that these protesters were doing, hurting the Canadian and American blue collar workers. And that was like a threat to national security. And that was what was used to justify uh, this heavy handed approach. That's gone now. There's yeah. flow of trade and traffic once again. They cleaned out all of these protesters in, um, in downtown Ottawa. That's gone. So the actual reason to have it is gone. But despite that, they still passed it through. And Justin Trudeau, um, or at least whoever has their hand up his ass uh, speaking through the, the sock puppet. That would be Krista Freeland. That's that's his handler. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
And uh, these guys have said, you know, we expect to continue this. They say two months, three months, not more than it's needed, though. But then the, there's this, a strange thing that Justin or Christia uh, said through Justin that, um, you know, we we don't know when these people can come back. And so it's only when we can guarantee that none of these people can ever come back that we know that we can finally take off or remove the war or the, the emergency measures act. And that you're like, okay, forever. what does that mean? There were like thousands and thousands of people in Ottawa. In what way are you talking about them not having the ability to come back? Like, I, I are we talking about what jail? Like what do they have to disappear? Like, do you have to remove their ability to like leave their house? Like, what are you thinking? when you say such words. Um, so obviously, I mean, I'm getting a whiff of like a lot of the Hitler enabling act um, smell in the air. Obviously when you look at these world economic forum ghouls who are just creeping and crawling all over the executive uh, branch of our government, half of the cabinet, right. Is what Klaus Schwab celebrated in Canada as being young leaders, world economic forum, young leader graduate, oh, yeah. sort of like a, a, a low level road scholarship uh, indoctrination program. Maybe there's a good good one or two out there. I don't know. I, I haven't seen them. Um, but you're dealing with something which does have a very population control, religious-like uh, fanaticism to it ideologically and is very centralized in its control and command structures. So there's something very um, Nazi-like about this process. And I don't think that they want to let this go because Hitler said, you know, when as soon as the Reichstag problem is over, the parliament building was burned down by domestic terrorists. We just want to, you know, bring that in, restore order there, and then we'll just give up the enabling acts. There, then they never had the intention of giving those up. Um, so I'm getting a sense that that's sort of what we're looking at here. The 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 part of this calculus that doesn't equate for them is that you have real human beings who are being human and who are organizing in a very peaceful way. And that's the key. They want the individuals within. Oh yeah, there you go. What's that? Is that the, uh, the list of all of the young leaders? That is all the young leaders that I have penetrated. I mean, <laughs> I've penetrated the government, not I have, maybe I penetrated them. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, I'd like I like that. I mean, that, I mean, it's horrifying, but I like that image. Uh, please send that my way, please. I will send it um, to you. I will, thank you. I cannot see my boy Jagmeet. He is somewhere here. I think he cut himself off in this picture with his dagger. I will send it to you later. <laughs> Thanks. The uh, there's there should be an honorable mention there for Mark Carney, who's not yet a member of the government officially, but he is largely a power. Uh, shaping policy in ways that people don't realize. Um, and in fact, the entire freezing of bank accounts was first made public as an idea put out there by Mark Carney, another World Economic Forum trustee, on February the 7th. Um, and everyone thought, no, no, they would never go that far, freezing you know, freezing people's accounts. But it's very similar to what they've been trying to do to, to countries trying to do business with Europe, uh, with, with uh, Russia too, right? It's, it's the idea of, oh, you know, if you've put money into this process, if you have, you know, you've helped out with the Freedom Convoy in, in a financial way, we will economically sanction you. We're going to freeze your accounts. We're going to, you know, make it impossible for you to get insurance. Um, even even businesses that were handing out free coffee in Ottawa to the, the freezing cold protesters, even these businesses are now being targeted uh, in all sorts of really terrible ways. But that's what they've been doing to Germany, to France, to other countries who uh, have businesses, companies that 
obviously are very economically integrated into uh, a, a, a relationship with Russia. And they're being basically told that, no, especially now that Russia has recognized Donetsk and uh, uh, the Lugansk People's Republics, which they're saying, oh, yeah, that's just more evidence of the invasion that we have been warning about. Obviously, it happened. Um, look, it's like, no, but they actually, that's not an invasion at all. They're, they literally just recognized what the vast majority of the people living there, I would say like a hundred percent of the people living there have wanted for the past eight years, which is protection from the neo-Nazi groups that have, that have been put into power and deployed as the Azov battalion to do terrorist acts and shellings and bombings of these I mean, these are Russians who live in Ukraine. It has been part of Russia for hundreds of years. Yep. They've wanted only at the many have wanted to join Russia. Russia thought that that was maybe unwise. And instead, what now they've been forced to do is say, OK, well, the Minsk agreements, which involved which which they were a part of crafting the 2014 Minsk agreements. And, you know, that was all that was that was very functional. Just simply talk to the people on East Ukraine they treat them as autonomous regions that have a certain administrative uh, autonomy, but they're still parts integrally of Ukraine, just like Crimea was. It's still part of Ukraine and uh, all's good. Just don't join NATO. Stop it. That would have been great. It was clear that the Kiev forces were, were always in a sabotage against that very rational uh, approach. And so now they've been forced to simply say, OK, well, look, let's just recognize these as sovereign countries. Um, they're now providing they've voted up in uh, the Duma to send in peacekeepers. And uh, they've, they've signed some incredible, very important uh, cooperation and friendship agreements with these two republics, which are very strategic. And obviously, it's not part of the rest of Ukraine. They're not invading Ukraine. So. Again, I'm sure we're going to see now an increased density of lies. Well, we've already seen that. Biden just started talking 25 minutes ago um, on the topic. I, I haven't listened to it, but I'm curious to see what he says. Um, obviously, it's going to be uh, based upon a bunch of threats to possibly, I'm, I'm, I think it's only a matter of time before they expel uh, Russia from SWIFT, which, I mean, Christ, if they do that, what are the effects on Russia and, and, and uh, sorry, on, on uh, Germany and France and other European countries. Exactly right. And the Russians have been ready for this. It's going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But they've been prepped for this for a while. They know it's coming. This is a strategic move. They have allies. Look, they understand that they can continue servicing the broken, solvent Western nations, or they can go to the liquid, hot, cash rich, booming Asian economies. And now this is cemented forever. I mean, the Russians have tried. The God help them, they have tried to deal with us. And we are absolutely insufferable. We're run by demented, idiotic people. You know, Timmer, Timmermans even said, the, the EU uh, commission uh, head or vice president, he even said, this is the worst atrocity that has been seen on European soil in history. Or maybe the one of the worst atrocities ever seen on European soil in history. Not a single person dead. Simply two regions that had full desire to be autonomous since 2015 uh, actually since 2014 they they claimed their independence yeah they claimed their independence in 2014 i mean it's and now a country like russia is just simply recognizing what they already declared these are not terrorists they're staying within their area they're not instigating anything they just want to protect their families and you're saying that that is the worst atrocity on european soil do you know how many what kind of atrocities happen on european soil like i mean i 
it, it, this is how these people are actually speaking. Um, the, the UN Charter, you know, they're saying that this is the biggest infringement of the UN Charter in history. Yeah, and let's be honest here. It, it's not even on European soil. So what the hell are these idiots talking about? I See, know. this is how brain dead they are. There's such a there's such a low stupidity. There's such an incredible stupidity, man, that they literally think that people are as dumb as they are. Yeah. Ukraine is nowhere near European soil. Nowhere near it. No. So for them to even say that Donetsk and Lugansk is the worst thing that ever happened on European soil, have you forgotten World War One, World War Two? Have you forgotten the Inquisition? Have you forgotten the Holocaust? Have you forgotten? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And this is the worst. They're really relying on people just having no connection to their past. I mean, it's a sort of the same thing you heard when Biden said, like, the uh, January 6th insurrection was the worst atrocity that had occurred since the American Civil War that killed 500,000 Americans when the population was like, what, 9 million or something like yep. Uh, really like this is over the top. I am hearing similar language being used in the case of Canada, that this is the worst atrocity, this attempt to overthrow our government that just happened, um, with the freedom convoy, uh, is like the, the, the worst, uh, domestic terror, uh, experience in history is what you, you actually see is rhetoric coming out of a perfectly peaceful process process where there are bouncy castles and, you know, free food and hot cocoa and hugs and dancing the whole time of people of all ages. I mean, it's how really dare they creative writing here uh, to the extreme. Yeah. How dare they bring bouncy castles? Yeah. <sighs> oh, the joy and the squeals and the cries of children laughing in joy. We must put a stop to it. You know what they did? They even passed a, a, an edict that um, Chrissy Freeland announced with a little bit of a smile saying mm-hmm. that anybody whose animals, which will be taken by RCMP or cops because People might, euthanized. Yeah. So people are are being arrested and they're like, if you're going to be arrested for more than eight days, we're going to kill your animals. (laughs) I mean, it's so petty at this point. Um, This is, this is violent. And this is my cry to, 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 to Canadians everywhere. Your government has crossed the line and you freaking moronic liberals on the left who are laughing this along and saying, attaboy, Justin, hey, this is great. Look how wonderful Christian Freeland is. You stupid morons, you idiots, you idiot, you colossal morons. What's going to happen when this government turns on you? Who's going to protect you? You laugh at it because you think good old Justin Boy, the, the, the ski instructor and part-time drama uh, school, uh, the, 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 the drama school coach is going gonna, is gonna to be there forever. No, what are you going to do when, let's just say, God forbid, your worst dreams, a far-right government comes into power? You morons! This is one Canadian abused anywhere is a it's it's too many. It needs to stop. Government should not have this power. Period. And no one, dude. All I'm seeing out of the Canadian Parliament, Matt, is just debates. It's just like a a high school debate society. They're not doing anything. This is the most egregious power grab I've ever seen of any Russian. I thought Australia was bad. No, Canada took the cake this week. Yeah, we really, uh, yeah, lapped them heavy. I, I was, I was feeling bad for my Australian uh, Commonwealth brethren, but um, yeah, at this point, yeah, we really lapped them in the race towards self destruction. Um, you know, you do get some pushback. Obviously, there are like the the uh, the province of Alberta under Jason Kenney is suing the government, and that's you know, it's nice to see a little bit of of 
pushback. Uh, Scott Moe, who's the premier of Saskatchewan, also announced that they're going to be suing the government uh, for these unprecedented emergencies uh, measures. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association doing the same thing. Now, to what degree will the Canadian courts actually be useful in that sort of thing, knowing how many institutions are captured? Um, I have my my cynical doubts on, on the value, ultimately, of those approaches, per se. Um, we know that Brian Peckford, as well, the former premier of Nova Scotia, who's a, a co-architect of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, has begun the process of a legal lawsuit against the, uh, the mandates overall. Um, these are all okay things, but... Um, you definitely need something bigger. I don't. I don't see any solution from within Canada at this at this stage in the game. The it's it's very important that Canada did uh, provide a spark plug, and that this movement is continuing in a very. Um, I would say there's certain very key important Christian principles of love, of peace, of simple command and demand for freedoms that is animating the hearts who are, of people who are willing to. It's like Martin Luther King with his approach to civil disobedience and the peaceful approach, very much unlike the um, the Black Power approach that was all full of FBI COINTELPRO operatives, uh, where they wanted to really just you know buy guns and and take the uh, take the war to Whitey, you know, was sort of the logic. Uh, that was something Martin Luther King Jr. was always doing battle with and trying to pull people back out of that into the more courageous. And I mean, he was accused of being um, a coward by saying, um, follow Christian principles, follow the Gandhi approach. It works um, because it's like, you know, you're just going to what allow yourself to get beaten, to go to jail by it unjust racists. No, you're a coward. And he was like, no, it actually takes a lot more courage and a lot more self-control and strength of character and morality to do it this way. And it's more effective than to give them what they want, because if they want kinetic response which is why the FBI, again, puts so much effort into radicalizing these groups, these, these activist groups within the Black Panthers, within uh, the Communist Party USA, within other anti-war movements, uh, with the Weather Underground, right, which is very parallel to the process of the FLQ, what became the RCMP-controlled terror cells of the 1960s and 70s that was used to justify the last time we had a War Measures Act with tanks in the streets of Montreal and Quebec. Um, was again, that was the first Trudeau government. We talked about that last week. Um, so they want kinetic responses. That's, that's what is predictable and what makes their Manichaean formula of polarized societies work. That's what made the cold war work between the authoritarian communist bad guys and the capitalist free market loving good guys on the other side of the iron curtain. You could have that strategic mathematical balance, right? Produced that would produce relatively, foreseeable effects as long as people behaved in a revenge eye for an eye tit for a tat type of way and it's to the degree that we allow ourselves to you know that's what animals do you know you 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 attack a, a wolverine uh, depending on your approach of attack and you 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 hurt it it's either going to fight or fly it's going to run away from you or it's going to attack you um that's sort of what they want they want people to cower away and submit or they want them to do the violent wolverine type of animalistic response which then gives in both cases more power to those seeking to utilize nation states as weapons against us, against people to enslave us. Um, so to the degree that you don't do that and you approach from this higher standpoint of love, it has a serious longer dur durable power to it. The Christians proved it. I mean, this is what made Christ's approach very important in taking down 
not in the short term, but the Roman Empire, the world's biggest empire to that day. Um, it was like the British Empire, right? All roads lead to Rome. The sun never sets in the Roman Empire, it could have been said. And nothing was going to take that evil type of... Um, it was a really satanic system. There was human sacrifices. There were all sorts of nasty Gnostic mystery religions and cults controlled by uh, different uh, oracles and priesthoods. Each one sort of, you know, having their different rituals to various gods, but all sort of having the same underlying common views of liberalism, which is this is our God that we prefer to sacrifice to. You, pr you have your gods that you prefer and we'll just agree to disagree. And, you know, that's this there's, we all agree that there's no actual universal truth. We'll just agree to that. And we'll just abide by our common uh, hedonism in watching um, people getting fed to lions and gladiator matches and breads and circuses, which was like 200 days of the, of the Roman year was breads and circuses festivals uh, while we're raping the outside regions, right? So as we grow and are more parasitical, we need to get the food from somewhere. The capital is not going to produce food. These people are too decadent. That was the Roman issue, right? The people were decadent, kept fat and dumb and stupid and lethargic and hedonistic so that the production would have to come from more regions regions that you are conquering that will then be cheap sweatshop zones producing uh, food and other things that are imported into the capital and its regions. Um, and they are and the, uh, the outskirts are kept poor and underdeveloped as much as possible. And increasingly, you, you rely more and more on slavery, right? You get rid of free farmers and you, you make sure that they become bound to the, uh, the landowners. And that was part of the decay morally of Rome that overextended itself. And all, all empires do that. So, you know, at a certain point, <clears throat> it, was, it was a good, it was, it was, there were, people had a lot of reasons to be cynical and depressed. So, oh, bye, CJ. Um, so, the point, the power of Christ's gospel when he came about um, was simply that we will not abide by unjust laws. You will pay Caesar what is Caesar's. Fine. That's a financial thing. Um, there's taxes and stuff. Okay, fine. But when it comes to unjust laws, it is not in our obligation to do any of that. And you're going to do it in love. You're not going to fight and try to kill the Roman guards or anything. Um, and just seeing, you know, there's Roman torches, right? I mean, thousands of, of Christians were, were burnt, yep. uh, were thrown into, uh, you know, uh, pits with lions for public entertainment. And they, they took it with such dignity because they had a sense that other people didn't, that they had a soul connected to God and their conscience that gave them a higher satisfaction in life to the point that they would suffer a lot of personal, um, you know, discomfort and even death because they valued the health of their soul more than anything. And they were, they were firm in that faith. And that's what gave people that, that dignity. And it shamed those watching to the point that even the Roman uh, pagans lost their stomachs and appetite for watching the torture of people who had more dignity than they did. That was the same thing for, for Martin Luther King, right? When you, you had people going into um, whites-only cafes and just ordering a coffee, even if that would ex they would expect, they would be trained, they prepared their minds to be attacked, to be punched, to maybe be arrested, and they, they did so, but they did it with dignity. They had kids doing marches, child children marches, and you had people like Bull Connor uh, command the launch, the, the like Justin Trudeau dictator of his day, defending the, uh, the, um, the segregation policies of the South, uh, command high-powered water uh, rockets, not rockets, but 
uh, water hoses hose down the kids on the street. And you just saw like video footage of little children, five, six, seven years old being blasted down with high powered water cannons. Yeah. Just for walking. And that shamed everybody watching on TV, hearing it, seeing it be present, even racists were seeing that. And they were like, no, this is not what I, <laughs> this is not what I want. I had to sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's what took down the Roman Empire. That's what ultimately destroyed the the the, the foundation of the segregation policies. And um, in the case of Martin Luther King, it was all you know he was going to take it to the next level of going for a much broader, expanding the victories of the civil rights fight now to a broader anti-imperial fight against the war in Vietnam, towards um, an economic policy of uh, of de funding uh, all of the banks and all of the the uh, the corporations that were participating in the this this evil empire and really promoting an anti-colonial program overall and and that was when he started especially working with Malcolm X in 65 um, when Malcolm X came back from Mecca right and, and and became a lot more de-radicalized at that point a lot less violent violence prone and Malcolm X you know he had already broken with the nation of Islam who he recognized was was a, a giant um, artificial hoax, um, being used most likely by intelligence agencies above him to radicalize, uh, groups of disenfranchised young, uh, African-Americans, but it was, it, it was not based upon what real Islam was, is that he discovered when he actually went to Mecca and saw people who weren't just black, but were all colors who were all worshiping Allah. And he spoke to a lot of really high level people along the way and came back a different person and, and had meetings with Martin Luther King saying, I'm sorry. I attacked you for being weak. Um, I, I see where the value is in your approach and uh, tell you what, I'm not going to stop with my, uh, my approach completely, but I got your back. <laughs> so it was only months later that he ended up getting killed. Yep. Um, and Martin Luther King's, you know, a couple of years after that, um, right before Bobby Kennedy, but it was all because they were all channeling the exact same thing, which is an Achilles heel to oligarchs for always has been, always will be of ultimately not just love in a flaky sense, but through action that we demonstrate our love and understanding of our fellow man by acting in accordance with natural law, by helping the poor develop the means to stand on their own two feet. That's what Bobby Kennedy was talking about when he was going through African development projects, um, also India and other countries to help them not by, if you got overpopulation problems, you got two solutions. You can either impose population reduction policies, which is what oligarchs want to always do. Or you can help people utilize the resource of their minds, give them the means of having infrastructure, industry, right? Give them something to develop and understand what their talents are. And then all of a sudden, you'll find that those population restrictions are, or constraints are no longer really there. They were the effect of just simply not having creative ideas in motion. Um, and you'll find that all of a sudden, the tension, the cause of you know, um, what, uh, uh, conflict, dividing conform, uh, dividing conquer measures, um, paranoia between one group or one language group or race versus another language group or race or religious group that don't understand each other because they're all fighting in a world of scarcity for diminishing returns. When you get rid of the scarcity, all of a sudden there's a lot more place for understanding and real dialogue to occur. Which is why, again, the Russia-China alliance is so scary for this sociopathic elite that wants to sacrifice Europeans, that wants to destroy nation states, that wants to sacrifice Canadians and, and uh, Americans, all on an altar 
of a mathematical model that they've programmed in a computer that says that the world population can only be sustainable at about 1 billion or so, maybe less. Um, they're committed to that religiously. And other countries don't want to sabotage their, their ancient religions and are making action in accordance with that intention to not self-sabotage and instead invest in building things like we've never seen in human history. $3 trillion already invested in the, uh, the growing Belt and Road Initiative. And uh, we just see all sorts of manifestations of that. So they're really afraid of China. They're afraid of Russia. That's why they put all this, this resource and, and, and investment into capturing Taiwan and Ukraine into the U.S. military industrial complex and creating these false narratives of Chinese aggression against yeah. the Uyghurs and the, the Hong Kongers and the Tibetans and the Taiwanese and Russian aggression against uh, everybody. It's, it's all fake. It's completely fake. And, you know, the, the ultimately what they're doing by cementing the borders of the multipolar world and those borders that end um, pretty much running around the 38th parallel from Ukraine all the way to Taiwan, it's they're not they know. Look, they've lost Africa. They lost Asia. All they have left is a, sm a little smoldering of. Eastern European countries like Ukraine, like Lithuania, Latvia, and whatnot. And then you have Europe. Mm -hmm. And what the Europeans don't know, and this is what Europeans need to get privy to very quickly, they are about to fall in the, into an absolute darkness. They're going to go into a life that is, that is the modern equivalent to pre-industrial levels. And it's going to be horrific for them. I mean, they will freeze during the winter. They will burn during the summer. Their industry and their production is going to be gone. Germany held out as long as they possibly could. Now we're going to see the gutting of German industry. It's terrible what is coming from them. Yeah. All to prop up the dollar fraud. All to prop up the bond fraud. All to prop up the, the continued fraud from the city of London and Wall Street. It's terrible what is happening. Yeah. I mean, this is why they try to stop Russia and China. Any country linked up to Russia and China hits the eject button on this globalist nightmare. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. And that, that's, I think, why they've been so desperate to create a new Iron Curtain wall, because they're so afraid that they've been un unable so far, though they have tried a lot to undermine the momentum and the growth of the multipolar uh, you know, system, the Belt and Road Initiative. They've worked on economic terrorism, all sorts of subterfuge um, to destabilize and to, and to, to create um, ah, basically just to destroy it, right? Uh, for years and years, since this thing was unveiled by Xi Jinping in 2013. And they've, they've failed every single step of the way. And so all they have left right now are twofold, a twofold approach, which is one, try to, we can't destroy China directly. We can't try destroy Russia directly. So try to destroy, undermine and destabilize the environment around which these countries exist and hopefully that way weaken their forces and then maybe be able to undermine them later on and number two try to create and erect an as much of an absolute barrier as humanly possible between the transatlantic control zone of the five eyes nato cage and the eurasian alliance as a separate thing that we will you know we'll try to prevent anybody in Europe, anybody in North America from trying to make maneuvers to jump on that ship when we have the Titanic going down here in the West. 
because the system is being designed to blow out. You can almost see it like the flight capital out of Canadian banks is really beginning uh, to get out of control. And, and people obviously don't want to invest in a country that's willing to uh, freeze the commercial accounts of their businesses for having helped out with a invested a few bucks in a freedom convoy, uh, let alone its own residential accounts and people. Um, so this is like not an attractive place for uh, people to invest in. People are also afraid, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, I think over 100,000 people have invested, had, had kicked in a few bucks towards the Freedom Convoy. These are people now who are all thinking, are my accounts going to get uh, frozen? Am I going to get iced out? They're pulling their money out of their banks. Your, your money's not safe in banks. So you're seeing bank runs. Um, you're seeing the same sort of thing in uh, in Europe, you know, like the the this artificially induced crisis that was so avoidable around Ukraine um, has now induced, again, more flight capital, more economic uh, destabilizations in the European markets. Um, the NASDAQ as well as is taking hits and it's going to get worse. And it's almost like they want to induce that financial blowout to happen because this whole time, what have, what have we been seeing for the past couple of years has been a giant wealth transfer, the scale of which we've never seen before of, you know, uh, these shell companies, a lot of them tied to the World Economic Forum, like Larry Frank's um, uh, uh, BlackRock, working with Vanguard and others who are just buying up all of the real estate, commercial and residential. You have Warren Buffett buying up, and this has been going on for a while, all of the uh, the hard infrastructure, uh, rail lines especially. Bill Gates buying up farmland. So, you know, they're they're on the one hand deflecting people and getting people to just think on a much lower level about their personal survival and creating, you know, parallel uh, economic uh, little mini economies because, you know, forget about saving your nation. Just think little, think local. And if they get everybody to do that, then I, I think they've, they've succeeded in getting us to sabotage ourselves and put our money. You know, I've got no problem intrinsically with Bitcoin, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's being used currently to get people to pour their cash into something that they think is safe. It is probably going to in, increase in value quite a bit um, as the, the financial system continues to blow out and people put their money in anything that they could think of that is has some semblance of stability. But... Um, it's going to blow. It's like a tulip bubble that itself is also going to blow. And it's, it's virtual who controls the, the energy grids, the electricity grids that power the Bitcoin mine, mining facilities that use a lot of energy. I guarantee you, this is not a uh, local funded hydroelectric dams and nuclear power stations that are producing the electricity to that is being used by these Bitcoin mining facilities. This is, these are things that are, are owned by corporations tied to the same people that want to destroy us. Um, well, at least, uh, at least, man, Klaus Schwab will allow us to buy homes and cars and and have our best life in the metaverse. At least, eh? yeah, you can even buy real estate right now. There, it's open for business. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna go right now and then plot. I'm gonna buy like uh, 500 acres of land on the metaverse and sell it to some, uh, you know, some zillennial, some Generation Z idiot who would bu- who would buy it for me for like a couple hundred thousand Bitcoin or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, this is where we're heading. Buy me some some virtual food as well. Uh, maybe a virtual farm. Uh, I, I'm even better. Yeah. I'll do one better. I'll buy you a virtual power plant. You can make all the energy you want now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Isn't it amazing? This is where the West is heading. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's wild. It, it's uh, it, 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 it's yeah. it's beyond a casino gulag at this point. It's beyond make believe at this point. This is ludicrous. This is 
if you can get a whole bunch of guys who are, you, you know those nerds that play Dungeons and Dragons and they get really into it to the point where they actually put on the costumes and act out the scenes, right? The LARPers, right? Yeah. Picture, if you will, you have LARPers. And they have really bad public uh, uh, relations degrees. Then on top of that, uh, they have a, a massive club, an echo chamber, that is built around them using flawed computer models. You put that together, that is your Western elite. Mm-hmm. And to them, it makes sense that you own nothing behind. Why would you want to own something? It's such a liability. When you could own beachfront property, my friend, right now for $500,000 on the metaverse right now. Mm-hmm. This is where we're heading. And I think this is exactly the reason why that China is decoupled from Bitcoin. Because they know where this damn thing is going, right? It, it, it's All of this is going to be utilized for the phony make-believe life that the Westerners will be living in. And, um, you know, so that's what it is. Anyway, Matt, we're at the end of the show. Any last minute things you want to say? No, I, I think it, I think uh, we're in a very fluid situation. Obviously, things are just changing. We used to have to wait weeks or months to get these types of big uh, transformations yes. and changes in the world stage. Uh, right now, it's happening in a matter of hours. It's um, unbelievable. Yeah, high density, high density environment that we're living through. It's difficult to even like speak firmly about uh, what next week is going to be, let alone even tomorrow. Um, that being said, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, next next week's show. And um, I, I think that people just have to really have a bit of faith right now in humanity in the process that there are a lot of things that are outside of the script. Because, I mean, you could get a little cynical hearing us maybe banter a little bit. But the, the, the script that the New World Order orderistas, whatever you want to call them, have been abiding by for, since World War II to recapture the United States, the rebellious, you know, uh, colony of 1776 and reabsorb it back into the mother country and reestablish a new global British empire uh, under a one world government, maybe not calling it British empire, calling it something else. Although, frankly, you know, when you look at the British Commonwealth today, uh, it's 21% of the world's surface area and it's still under the crown and it's it's still the, the, the global center of global drug money laundering operations out of the British Cayman Islands. Five Eyes intelligence controls, uh, banking system uh, controls out of the city of London. It's really, you know, it, it, it kind of is. It, it kind of is British Empire. Um, that script that they've been following is breaking down. And I mean, it's so important to realize that you have now on this earth major civilizational powers that we have never seen working together at the same time. Zbigniew Brzezinski's nightmare that they yep. said must never happen in 1997 in the Grand Chessboard is the, organi- the, the organized cooperation of China, the ancient Confucian culture of China, the, uh, of Iran, and its ancient Persian Islamic yes. uh, culture, as well as Russia and its ancient Christian heritage, all together working to create a beachhead of unified survivors, uh, you know, a survivor's block. And really with that type of, of uh, system emerging, it's giving confidence for many countries that have been pawns or stooges or just manipulated by the Western elite um, as disposable to join into something that has that is really in their advantage to be a part of, to build projects that benefit their people, that empower their nation to have dignity. And we've got 140 countries to varying degrees that have signed on to the Belt and Road Initiative in the past just few years alone. Um, we have a massive process inside of the United States, and I think we can do a lot more uh, in the U.S. than you can in Canada. Canada has served its role. 
and will continue to serve its role as a spark plug, I think, for something I didn't think was possible. I didn't think we had this type of love for freedom and this willingness to put our, our, our bodies into it. Um, but here we did. And, uh, and we'll, as far as I'm seeing, is a continued momentum to continue to speak the truth and to stand up for truth. Um, so there's all sorts of nonlinear processes that these control freaks cannot foresee. They can't predict. They're afraid of. It's keeping them up at night. And that gives me and it should give everybody listening a certain empowerment uh, as we go into the coming uh, storm. So there's just that. So don't be too too morose if you're listening to this and you're like, shit, I gotta I gotta buy some vodka and <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, get some vodka, but but do it in a more celebratory fashion. Absolutely, very well said, Matthew Eric, folks. The one and only Matthew Eric. Catch him over at CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net, and make sure you get his books, The Unfinished Symphony. And with that being said, also subscribe to his Substack. The links will all be in the description box. With that being said, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Till next time, my friend, stay frosty. Ciao. Cheers.